0: Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. This is Josh. Hey, I'm so excited that you've joined me on this episode of Journey Through the Bible. I truly believe as we intentionally work hard at understanding and applying the Word of God in our lives, it changes us. God changes us. His Spirit changes us through His Word. And that's my heart behind this podcast as we seek to understand and grasp what God is saying to us. I fully believe that His Word does go forth and His Word does accomplish what He purposes in our life. I encourage you to share this among your friends, share it on your social media channels. Uh, Depending on what platform you're listening to, you may have the ability to rate or review this. That helps us reach more people and helps more people hear this, which, again, as the Word of God goes forth, He fulfills His purpose in His Word through our lives. We're in the book of Ephesians. If you haven't listened to the first four episodes on Ephesians uh, the introduction, the uh, first half of chapter one, last half of chapter one, and the last episode was the first half of chapter two. I encourage you to do that because this is all of those are very foundational um, and it's very much a building block as we go through Ephesians. So if you haven't listened to those first four episodes on Ephesians, I encourage you just to hit that pause button, go back and listen to those other four episodes before uh, you continue on this one. But before we get into the discussion and the teaching on the latter half of chapter 2 of Ephesians. I want to share an announcement. I'm really excited about this. When I was 9 years old, God gave me a heart for revival. He showed me the need for revival in this country and he gave me a heart to see revival in this in this nation in, in America. And that's something that has been a part of my heart now for uh, ever ever since then. And I feel now is the time the Lord is leading me to launch a, a ministry, a resource ministry, a preaching ministry uh, in, in regards to this. It's uh, Revival America. And so today, as you listen to this, if you're listening to this on the day it launched, if you're listening to this after the launch day of this episode, which is Friday, March 11th, it's already there, but I'm launching today a website to kind of begin this journey for me. You can find that website at revival-america.com. On this website, you're going to find resources uh, to understand what revival is. I'm going to have some blog posts on there. Uh, there's going to be a link to a YouTube channel uh, where I'm going to be sharing some videos on on revival and what God is showing is showing me in regards to revival. So revival-america.com. You'll also be able to find a link to the Facebook page uh, for revival America. There you'll also be able to find a group where we can discuss and we can have a place, a community for uh, for fellow believers, all of us who feel revival is important. We can communicate. We can share resources. We can share prayers. Uh, We may have some live prayer events on there as well. Um, Just a a host of different options that we'll be able to to do there. So this is something I'm extremely excited about. Again, that is revival-america.com. And that's also going to be the homepage for uh, for this this podcast, Journey Through the Bible. There's going to be a whole, uh, a whole page, a whole set of pages there, dedicated dedicated Journey Through the Bible. We'll have some note pages there available, um, so you can actually listen to a podcast and fill out a note sheet if that's something uh, that you so, so desire. So my heart is that this country is in need of revival, and revival does not begin in the world. Revival begins in in the church. It begins with an awakening of the people of God. It begins with God awakening the people of God to our purpose and to our calling. And that is to reach a lost and dying world. And so that is my heart behind this. Uh, So I encourage you, check it out, revival-america.com. Like the Facebook page, Join the group, become part of this community. And there's even a prayer link on the homepage where you can click. I will pray. And every Thursday morning, uh, we're not going to necessarily set a time, but we're we're all going to join together. And everyone who kind of commits uh, to to this just knows that every Thursday morning, all the all the people who've committed to this are going to be praying for this revival that God is going to bring to this nation. And I don't know know about you, but I want to be a part of that. And now to continue our discussion on the book of Ephesians. So we've been through the first uh, first, really chapter and a half. So the first chapter and then half of chapter two. And so far we've seen that the theme of Ephesians is so far is the power of Jesus. Is that Jesus holds all power and authority. And that's what we've seen so far through the book is how this power that Jesus holds It works on our behalf. Last week, we saw how that power that Jesus holds brings dead things to life. How we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. But while we were dead in our trespasses, Jesus made us alive. God made us alive together in Jesus. So the power of Jesus brings life to dead things. Today, we're going to go through the latter half of chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3, and we're going to see this incredible truth that not only does Jesus bring life to dead things, but Jesus brings peace to divided things. Jesus brings peace to divided things. And so I'm going to read beginning in verse 11 of chapter 2. Again, I encourage you, if you're able to, always listen to this with an open Bible in front of you. That just helps us. Helps you follow along. If not, that's fine as well. You can listen. I know for me, I like listening to podcasts in the car, which obviously is not a good place to, to listen with an open Bible. So that, that may not be the best thing for you. But if, if you're able to, you know, you can open up your Bible and, and read along. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, says this. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. What we see here in Ephesians 2, 11 through the end of chapter 2 is that Jesus brings peace to divided things. You see, Paul wants us as Gentiles to understand that everything he's talking about up to this point is, and beyond is for us you see up to this point right he's talked about he's he gave this ode of praise for salvation he's talked about the power of jesus and how this power that jesus holds brings life to dead hearts it brings life to the to, to those of us who were in dead in our trespasses and sins paul wants us to understand that this is for us it's for all of us you see at prior points in time a covenant was, with God was made with the nation of Israel. But Paul is saying now that this covenant with God is now with humanity as a whole. It's not just with one people group. It is with humanity as a whole. It is for all of us. Salvation is for all of us. Jesus' love is for all of us. Not just for a select group. It is for everyone. He begins this passage with the word remember. Therefore, remember in verse 11 and then again in verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You see, remembering where we came from, we can never forget where we came from. We can never forget who we were before Christ. And so Paul begins this this passage by exhorting us to remember where we came from, because as we remember where we came from, it causes us to praise out of our current reality. As we remember who we were before Christ and who we are now with Christ, it induces praise within our hearts out of our current reality. We, we understand the peace that, that God brings us and the peace that we have in Jesus through salvation. And we remember how we once were not at peace. We remember how we were once enemies of God. We remember how we were once dead in our trespasses and sins and how Jesus brought life to our dead hearts. And as we remember what we were and as we understand who we now are, that induces praise and so paul begins this this whole passage with exhorting us to remember and as we remember that induces us to praise we remember that we as gentiles were not part of the original covenant we were not part of the original covenant with god the original covenant well, the original covenant with god was the uh, for in regards to salvation was the mosaic covenant it was made with the children of israel at mount sinai the gentiles were not part of that and so that's why paul says hey we were we were separated from christ we were alienated from the commonwealth of israel and we were strangers to the covenant of promise we were separated verse 12 the new king james says we were without christ and this word without, in, in this, this passage, without Christ, is extremely interesting. It's the Greek word chorus, which means, really kind of brings the, the thought across that we were doing life independently of Christ. And interestingly here, the way the Greek is constructed, this is not a mutual separation. This separation, or this far-offness, as Paul puts it, is purely on our side. There would have to be another Greek word new to show that Christ is far off from us, but that Greek word is not there. And so what we see here, this far offness from Christ, it's on our part. We were the ones who left, right? We were the ones who disobeyed. We were the ones who were far off from Christ, but Christ was always there. He's always been there for us. It was us who left. And so we were doing life without Christ. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. What does that mean, right? Like this was 2000 years ago. We, 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 It's sometimes difficult to grasp some, some of these concepts because, oh, we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. What, what is Paul saying? Well, that, that is a way of saying that we were alienated from being able to participate in God's activity in the world. Prior to Christ and prior to this peace that we're going to talk about that Jesus brought between the Gentile and the Jew and how we, he brought us under one covenant, we as Gentiles were, we were strangers. We were not able to participate in God's activity in the world. We were strangers to the covenant. Paul says that we were without hope and we were without God in this world. This this without hope, what is hope? Hope is futuristic. Hope is something that we hold on to for something that is yet to come. So Paul is saying because we were strangers to the covenant we didn't have a future. We had nothing to hold on to that we could look to the future and say that is my that is what I'm holding on to that is my hope. But not only were we without hope in the future, but we were without God in this world. That's the present. I mean, we were a mess, right? Not only did we, did we not have any future hope, but we were without God in the present. Our pre- not only is our, our future was our future messed up, but our present was messed up. This is who we were, and Paul is exhorting us. He's urging us, remember who you were. And this is true of us before Christ, right? Before Christ, we were strangers. We were alienated. We were separated. We were doing life without Christ. We were without hope, we were without God in this world. We didn't have a future and frankly, we didn't have a present. But in Christ, right, verse 13, but now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Brought near. So so now we have hope whereas we were far off, we were alienated, we were strangers to the covenant Now in Christ, we've been brought near. So now we have hope. Now we have the ability to participate in the activity of God in the world. And now we have a place within the covenant of God. And this all happens through the blood of Christ. The blood is a very, it's a very covenantal term. Blood was a very important part of any covenant. And so when Jesus shed his blood, he sealed this new covenant that brought Gentiles and Jews under the same umbrella where it is through Jesus, we have access to the father. And so now in Christ, we who were far off have now been brought near. And what an awesome truth that we see so often, not only here in Ephesians, but throughout the New Testament is the change that Christ brings to our lives, the change that Jesus brings to our reality. Whereas we were dead in our trespasses, we are now alive in Christ Jesus. Whereas we were alienated, we were strangers to the covenant, we were without hope, we were without God in this world, but now in Christ Christ, We have been brought near, we have hope, we have the ability to participate in the activity of God. We have a place within this covenantal relationship with God, all by the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only have we been brought near, but Paul continues and says, He is our peace, verse 14, He Himself is our peace. Now I want us to understand peace a little bit and i go into further detail in in one of my previous episodes on in, in the beatitudes so if you if you look at the episode talking about peacemakers there's going to be a little bit further uh, conversation about this but i'm just going to kind of recount some of that because i want us to understand what peace is a lot of times it's easy to just gra- to to think of peace as a lack of conflict but peace is so much more than that and when we look at scripture we see that peace is is more than just a lack of conflict for that matter it's often not even a lack of conflict but peace is wholeness when we look holistically at scripture peace is more than just calmness it is a wholeness of body mind and spirit and it's seen in the old testament concept of shalom see shalom was used throughout the old testament times in greeting as a it was as a desire or an inquiry or prayer of well-being this could be a well-being of health of of safety of happiness or of success all of the all these examples are seen throughout scripture it's it's kind of similar to how we ask how are you today uh, only probably a little bit more sincere right when we ask how are you we're all expecting just a quick good right but that when people would say shalom it was a sincere uh, inquiry of well-being, right? We can see Genesis 37 and 14, Jacob sends Joseph to his brothers to see if it is well with them. That's the concept of shalom. Esther 2 and 11, Mordecai would walk by the palace to see how Esther was doing, to see how her shalom? If she was well, if she, how, how how she was doing? Second Kings five and twenty one. Gehazi, which were, he was a servant of Elisha, chased after Naaman, and upon meeting, uh, he said, "Shalom is all well." That was that was the greeting, and so ultimately, shalom was, and this is just an extremely quick overview, uh, shalom was a description of wholeness, wholeness in oneself, between two people, in community, between a plurality of nations. It was this description. Of wholeness. So what does it mean to be whole? Shalom is the word that describes the state we are in when we are whole. And that is really a state of peace. I remember watching uh, Bob Ross as a kid. Uh, frankly, I still do. It's on several streaming services, right? But in, in every episode, there came a moment at the end where he brushed the last stroke. He laid aside his brush and stepped back to look at the painting that was now finished. In that moment, he, as the artist, was satisfied in its completeness. That right there is the concept of wholeness. That right there is the concept of shalom. If you have ever put together a puzzle, right, it's that moment where you put that last piece into the puzzle, you step back, it's done. That completeness, that wholeness, is the concept of shalom. And that's what we see here. And so to further emphasize the role and the work of Christ here in Ephesians, Paul is talking about this wholeness, this peace that Christ brings. He himself is that peace. Right? He could have just said, well, Jesus is our peace, but he, Paul emphasized this. He brings both words in to emphasize that this is a work of Christ alone. He himself is our peace. This peace doesn't come from our human efforts. This peace doesn't come from just some random source. It comes in, through, and only by Jesus. He brings wholeness. He brings peace to divided things. Whereas the Gentile and the Jew were divided, we are now in Christ both made one. We see that in verse 14. But at the same time, we don't want to make peace one-dimensional. right? This peace is... While it is wholeness, but part of that wholeness, I want us to m- make sure we understand this, it is bringing resolution to two parties that were hostile to each other. It is bringing calmness to an association that was chaotic. It is bringing love to a relationship that was hateful. And so we see this verse 14 that Jesus breaks down this wall of separation. That we That's the term that NKJV uses. The ESV says the dividing wall of hostility the new american standard says the barrier of the dividing wall he says jesus is our peace and he brings peace by breaking down this wall of hostility what is paul talking about there well it will be helpful for us to visualize this by by looking at the jewish temple so in the jewish temple there was a dividing wall between where the people could go And where the priests could go. So if you just imagine, just you're looking bird's eye on top of a building. There's a room in the back, and then there is a wall. The priests could go back into that back room where the presence of God was, but the people could not. And so there was a dividing wall there. There was a veil covering that area. But furthermore... In that front room where the people are, there was another dividing wall. Not only was there a dividing wall between the people and God, but there was another dividing wall where the Jewish people could go further in, but the Gentiles could only go to a certain point. And so this wall, this dividing wall in the temple, there was a dividing wall between the people and God, but there is also a dividing wall between people, between the Gentiles and the Jews. Paul here talks about not only a spiritual barrier, right? and, we, and we, we see that all throughout the New Testament, that there was a separation between God and man, and Jesus came to break down that wall. Jesus came and bridged the gap between us and God, and that's, a, that's an extremely important aspect of the New Testament. But not only does Paul here talk about that spiritual barrier, Paul also talks about a sociological barrier, that, that, that barrier that were were between was between two people groups. And this barrier was the law, right? The, the Jewish people were the people of the law. They, they were the carriers. They were the holders of the law of God. The Gentiles were not. And that is why the separation had to be there. But Jesus came and he broke down this wall. He broke down this barrier, not only the barrier between God and man, but he broke down this barrier between man and man. You see this is in direct contrast from the separation or the alienation that we see in verse 12. This peace that Jesus has brought us has put us into a place where we can participate in God's work in the world. We we are no longer separated from the covenant people of God by this wall of hostility, but now we ourselves are covenant people of God. We are now able to commune with God in a covenant relationship. But something else we see here, salvation is not just about making us right with God, but salvation is about making us right with each other. Now I want us to understand that Paul's main point here is bringing the Gentile and the Jew under one banner. We can see that in verse 15, right? Thus giving all of mankind hope and all of us an ability to relate with God in a covenantal relationship. But I don't believe it would be overreaching to see in this peace that God brings to a divided world amongst men and women who submit to his lordship. I don't think it is overreaching to say that this peace that Jesus brings, while obviously the, the main part of what Paul is talking about is between the Gentile and the Jew and the covenantal relationship, but Paul is also saying here, here that Jesus can bring peace between two peoples that are divided. He can bring peace to divided things. If God can do it between the Jew and the Gentile, he can do it between anyone. And in today's world in which we live in, division is rampant. All you have to do is open up your social media channels and scroll for about five seconds, and you're going to see the division that is in the world. All you have to do is turn on any of the news channels and watch for about 10 seconds and you're going to see the division that is in the world. So what a what, what would be a greater example of the power of God and the salvation of God working in our lives than to bring peace between two peoples that disagree? And Jesus has the power to do that. He's using this relationship, Paul is using this relationship between the two groups of people to show that if he can do it with them, he can do it with anybody. You see, the Jews were the people of God. The Gentiles were not. The Jewish people were the carriers of the covenant. The Gentiles were not. The Jewish people were the ones with the promise of the Messiah, not the Gentiles. And yet, Jesus came for us all. He came for us all. He didn't just come for one people group. He didn't just come for a select, a select few. He came for us all. He died for us all. And in him, we are both reconciled to God, verse 16. And in him, we both have access to the Father by the same Spirit, verse 16. Eighteen. We, through Jesus, he brings peace to divided things. Paul illustrates this by, by talking about the peace that he brought between the Jew and the Gentile. He's now brought us all under one covenant. But he can illustrate that in your life and in my life by bringing peace to divided things. And in a world that is so and increasingly so divided, the power of Jesus can work in your heart and in my heart to bring peace to whatever is divided. We see the latter part of of our discussion today in verse 19 through 22. And it talks about Jesus being our cornerstone, right? So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, Paul says in verse 19, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We are being built together. Right? This peace that Jesus brings, right? It's not just a peace between God and man. It is a peace between man and man. And we... Have to be okay with that because we're being built together, both Gentile and Jew, the two that were divided. We've now become one. We're being built together into this temple of God. We're no longer strangers, speaks to the family relationship that we have through Jesus. We are no longer foreigners, speaks to this corporate relationship that we have with Jesus. And he is building us. We're being built together upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You see, this was God's plan all along. Jesus coming and dying for the whole world. And us all coming under one covenant relationship with God. This was God's plan all along. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. All of the New Testament points to to Jesus. And Paul tells us that we're being built together, we're being fitted together. This speaks to intention. Right? He says we're being built together, we're being fitted together, fitted together, excuse me. Verse 21, right? In whom the whole structure being joined together, that is intention. Jesus is building us with intentionality. But then he, Paul continues and says, we grow into, which speaks of the church as a living organism. So we are being intentionally built together. And as we are being built together, we grow into what God wants us to. And that is speaking of the church as a living organism. As I read this, my mind goes back to 1 Peter 2.15, uh, where it says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he ends this passage in verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're being built together. Jesus brings peace to divided things. He illustrates this. Paul illustrates this through the relationship of the Jew and the Gentile. But we can see this in our lives in a divided world. Just imagine if we allow the peace of God to reign in our hearts. The wholeness that it brings and the the reconciliation it brings between two parties that were uh, at odds with each other. What a testimony that is to the world. What a testimony, living at peace, living in wholeness, living in community together with the people of God, despite differences, despite us being our own people, right? That comes with differences, but in, dis- in spite of all that, we can live in harmony and in peace because in Christ we have been made one. What, what an awesome example to the world if we lived our lives like that. So let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to live in this way. Help us to understand the power that comes in unity, the power that comes in this peace that you bring to divided things. Lord, may we walk this out so that we can be an example of the world that people can be at peace. People can live in community, can live together in harmony. Help us to live that out and to exemplify that before the world. In Jesus' name, amen.